Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Today I will touch on a Psalm that is very familiar and popularly used, uh, the 51st Psalm. And this Psalm was written by King David after he had uh, been convicted by the prophet Nathan about his sin uh, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and more than that, when he killed Bathsheba's husband Uriah. And so after he had done this, um, the prophet Nathan came to tell him about what he had done. And he wrote this psalm after the visit by the prophet Nathan. So let us listen to this. This psalm is very much deep, written deep from the heart. And yet we can also learn very objective truths about the nature of God, about the nature of sin, and about our hope of forgiveness and of transformation. Let's pray before we read. Father, speak your truths to us. Because, Lord, each of us is a sinner. Each of us needs not only forgiveness, but cleansing and transformation. We ask then that you give us that hope, what you will do in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 51 have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and judged, justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For these two days, Tuesday and Thursday, I will deal with this chapter. Uh, for today, I will talk about verse 1 to verse 12. And then on Thursday, I will then deal with verse 13 to verse 19. But before I continue, let me try to explain and define the three concepts of transgression, iniquity, and sin. Transgression refers to the individual wrongdoing. If I told you a lie, I have just transgressed. If I broke the law one time, I have transgressed. That's transgression, an individual unit of sin. Iniquity, on the other hand, is a pattern or a premeditated series of, of um, events, of actions um, that are sinful. So, for example, I want to cheat a company and I don't just do it once. I make elaborate plans. I tell lies to my superiors. I forge the checks. I do a series of things. Now that is iniquity. And so iniquity is a pattern of transgressions that 
add up to a whole. And sometimes iniquity can also be a whole series, a pattern of behavior. Like when I am uh, violent to someone, every time I'm provoked, I am violent. Or every time I'm provoked, I shout, I scream, I shout and berate the people who provoke me. That is iniquity too, a series of sinful acts. Sin, on the other hand, as understood in this context, is far deeper than that. It has to do with the nature. The sinful nature has to do with our uh, inclination to sin. So it's not just iniquity, not just a series of premeditated sin transgressions, but it's this whole nature of us that tends to sin. It's not about just cheating a company or getting my way by scolding someone or even killing a person. It's everything added together that, that constitutes my sinful nature. So when you understand this, we can understand the, um, the psalm a lot better. Now this psalmist, David, acknowledges that he is sinful to the core. In verse 5, he says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. In one sense, of course, he's saying that right from the start, even at conception, he was sinful. But what he's saying is that sin is so deep-seated that it's from the very beginning of his life, the moment he was conceived, that it is the core of his life, that every bit of it, of him, is sinful. So he's not. He's saying that it, is, it didn't come at a certain time. It didn't come when he was four years old or even two years old. He was sinful right from the very start. But notice still that although he's saying that he was sinful to the core and sinful right at the root of it, he's not blaming God for his sin. Rather, he says in verse 8, Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. What he's saying is that his sinfulness is not God's plan. God wanted from all of us faithfulness, and he gave us wisdom even right from the beginning. He taught us things that are good. So something went wrong. And David is not blaming God for what went wrong. He's simply saying that his sin is deep-seated. It is not here in this psalm to try to understand what went wrong. We talk about sin coming from Adam. And often we can also think about our sin being passed down from our parents through the upbringing, through various means. But today we are looking at who or how we became sinful. We are simply saying that we are sinful from the core. So often we may attribute it to God and sometimes say, because I'm made like that, I cannot change. Because I'm made so bad-tempered. Too bad. Just accept me as I am. Because I am lustful. Well, that's the way I am. So live with it. Yes, in a sense, we accept one another for who we are and who they are. On the other hand, we have to acknowledge the hurt and the harm that is done. David couldn't just say, well, too bad. I'm, I'm sinful. Reality is that he committed adultery with Bathsheba and he murdered her husband. People were harmed in his sinfulness. Whether he takes responsibility or not, someone was harmed. And the good thing about David 
was that he accepted responsibility for that sin. What is so how does David see his sin? He sees his sin not as just hurting someone else, but he sees his sin as um, having sinned against God. In verse 4, he says, Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. What this tells us is that every sin, every transgression, is an offence to God. What this means then is not simply that God doesn't like any of our evil things. It tells us about the nature of God, that he wants all things to be good. First of all, the psalmist says that God desired faithfulness right from the womb, and that from the womb, from conception, he gave wisdom to the unborn child. But more than that, God's idea of the world is something that is good, that people do good to each other. And so whenever a person does evil against someone else or evil against himself, has evil thoughts, that is an offence to God because it goes against God's desire. Rather than thinking of God as a judgmental God, it shows us a God who only wants the best from us and for us, a very loving God. Think about this, that the evil that is done against you is not something that God desires. The evil that takes place, that, that someone commits against you, is against God himself. God is offended when we hurt another person. God is offended when another person is hurt, or when another person hurts us. And so our God wants good things for all of us. But what happens then when we have sinned? The psalmist appeals to God's mercy and unfailing love. In verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The psalmist appeals to God's compassion and unfailing love. You see, when, when we sin, we know that we have offended God, that we have hurt the things, the goodness that God destroyed, the goodness that God has intended for all of us and for others as well. And yet God is a merciful and faithful, loving God. He doesn't take our sin and just destroy us. The psalmist is now appealing to God first for forgiveness. But the psalmist goes beyond asking for forgiveness. You see, often we say, oh, yesterday I just told a lie. I ask for forgiveness and say, God, forgive me. Lah. Or sometimes I say, I, I just shouted some vulgarities. Or I just abused someone very violently. And we say, well, God, just forgive me for that. I'm sorry. But sin goes much deeper than that. It's not just about one transgression. The psalmist says, wash away all my iniquity. He recognizes that it's a series, a pattern of sinfulness. I don't just lose my temper one time and ask for forgiveness. What I want is to have that pattern, that sinfulness, that iniquity taken away from me. 
when we look at our sin, we are not seeing just one of events. We are seeing an entire series, an entire pattern of behavior. And what the psalmist does now is to ask God to remove, to wash away that sinful behavior. There is hope for us. All of us have different sinful behaviors. Some of it is greed. Others is violent temper. Yet for others is lust. And these are not just one-off events. They are patterns of behavior from us. And the psalmist's prayer gives us hope that God washes it away. That means we're asking God to dismantle our behavior, dismantle our plans even. Have you ever plotted against someone and then in the middle of it, you were convicted on it, of it and you said, God, dismantle all my plans. Dismantle this whole series of sins. Maybe I can't do it myself because I'm a sinful person and I keep moving towards that way. But we could ask God to wash away this whole sinful behavior, dismantle it altogether. But it goes even deeper than that. It's not one type of behavior. It's a whole sinful nature. That's something that I've learned about addictions as well. You know, a drug addict could be free from drugs, but his addiction simply moves on to alcoholism, to gambling, to pornography, even to abuse. So often I've seen transformed, so-called transformed drug addicts, and they seem to be living drug-free for many years, maybe for the rest of their lives. But if we look at aspects of their lives, we discover that not everything um, is gone. They've simply morphed into a different form. A person who was a drug addict may become an alcoholic at one point, secretly and no one knows. Could be abusive to his family, secretly and no one knows. Could be so strict and rigid because the addiction has simply moved from one form to another. And I'm not just talking about drug addicts, because all of us are that way as well. We realize that our sinful patterns, our iniquity, morphs from one pattern to another. Something may seem to have changed, and yet it pops out, sinfulness pops out somewhere else. And so we realize that even as we ask God to wash away our iniquity, to dismantle our sinful plans. Sin remains within us. And this psalmist then prays, cleanse me from all my sin. God can do a far deeper work than just forgiving my sin. God can do a far deeper work than just dismantling one plan after another. God is able and wants to cleanse us from our inclination to sin altogether. But why is that so important to this psalmist and why is that so important to us? You see, sin is not just about doing bad things and feeling guilty about it. Sin is about hurting ourselves, hurting others and hurting God. Now, sometimes we think, well, is it that important to hurt God? Oh, it doesn't matter because I don't see Him. If I hurt myself, I can see the consequences. If I hurt my neighbor or my wife or my husband, I see the consequences as well because there is uh, no more peace. There is discord at home when I hurt my loved one. So what if I hurt my God? 
Well, the reality is that when we hurt God and we stay away from Him, it's about the most catastrophic events that could ever happen. Imagine if we are made to depend on God for everything, made to talk to God about everything, made to have God as our best friend, that when we are happy, we celebrate with God, when we are sad, we cry to God. Everything that we have need for, we just turn, look up to God and say, God, I'm in trouble, help me, and know immediately that God is there. Now imagine that relationship being strained, not because God doesn't want to come near us, but simply because we want to avoid God because of our desire to continue to sin or because uh, we feel ashamed. For whatever reason, our relationship with God is cut. Can you imagine how devastated that could be? That each time we see a problem, we try to solve it ourselves and we go back into our sinful patterns to solve problems for ourselves. No longer can we turn to God and say, God, I place these problems, these issues before you. Please take care of them. And then us feeling peace right away. Imagine how bad it will be when we can no longer depend on our God. Not because God is undependable, but simply because we dare not ask Him anymore. And so the psalmist says in verse 8, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. The psalmist knows how serious it is when he has sinned against God and refuses to change. He loses joy, he loses uh, gladness, and he asks again for a change. And this Today's devotion then ends with a very, on a very hopeful note. In verse 10, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. What the psalmist cries for is that his heart be purified, and that, that purification becomes long-lasting, that he'll keep being pure steadfastly. And then he says, Do not cast me from your presence, Take your Holy Spirit from me. King David knows that his entire life is lived because of God's presence. Do we know that as well? That there can be so much joy, so much goodness when we live in God's presence. Because every moment we can turn to God and we feel joy, we experience joy from the Lord. And then he says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Help me to want to be cleansed from sin. Help me to want to be pure so that there will always be joy because you saved me from my sinfulness. So sin is not about judgment and punishment alone. It is self-destructive. He's not even saying, God, do not smite me, do not kill me, do not punish me. He knows that the punishment of sin is intrinsic. Sin alone destroys his life. Sin alone separates him from God, takes away joy from him. And so, to summarize, God wants to do a far deeper work than just forgiving your sins. Far deeper work than even just dismantling some of your evil plans. God wants to purify our hearts. We can ask God to give us a pure spirit and a steadfast spirit as well, wanting to do, to be pure before God. 
And this is important not because we are afraid that God will be angry with us. It's important because when we allow God to purify our hearts, we remain in Him, remain in His presence, and enjoy the joy and the gladness that we are meant to have. We have a very loving God doesn't want um, us to hurt one another or to hurt ourselves. And yet we have also a very loving and forgiving God who wants to give us the joy, who deliver us from our own sinfulness and give us a joyful life. Will you make that your quest? As I pray that I will also make that my quest. Not to try not to be sinful, because sin is so deeply ingrained in me. I can only pray and ask God to give me a pure spirit. Let us pray. Father, we are each sinful to the core. We do the things that we know we shouldn't, that we don't even want to do. So often we hurt others with our lies, with our abuse, with our, with our anger. We abuse each other and we hurt one another. We also end up hurting ourselves. But God, we want you close to us. We want you to give us a new heart, a pure heart, and the strength and the steadfastness to sustain that. So God, we pray that you will give us, let this be our quest. Not only will you forgive us, but you transform our hearts. Let this be for us, because you are a loving, compassionate God. And this is what you want to do for each one who turns to you and trusts in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that you pray that you will have a wonderful week ahead. And I shall come back on Thursday to do part two of Psalm 51. God bless you. Goodbye.